This is Beyond Belief Sobriety, a podcast and community for people who are seeking or who have found a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Hello, and thank you for spending a little of your time to listen to this podcast. I hope this turns out to be a good use of your time and helps a little with your recovery. This episode is a little unusual because I don't have a guest. This is one of those rare instances when I'm just going to go it alone. I thought what I would do is talk about recovery itself. What is it anyway? A few weeks ago, I posted a video on YouTube that I called What is Recovery? And I thought it was pretty good. So I figured if it's good enough for YouTube, then it must be good enough to post as a regular podcast episode for everyone out there in podcast land to hear. So that's what we're going to do today. But before I get started, I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Soberlink. If you're seeking a tangible way to maintain accountability and prove sobriety to loved ones, you have to try Soberlink. If you haven't heard of Soberlink, they've created a remote alcohol monitoring system that revolutionizes the way people document sobriety. This system includes a breathalyzer and uses artificial intelligence to display your test results in a calendar format, helping you analyze your habits and prove to yourself and others that you are, in fact, not drinking. It even has real-time results, facial recognition, and tamper detection, so no one will question the validity of your results. Soberlink and I have created a guide called Five Tools and Strategies for Those on a Secular Path to Recovery that you can find at Soberlink.com BBS. So if you're ready to take the next step in your recovery journey, mention the Beyond Belief Sobriety podcast when ordering Soberlink and you'll receive $50 off their device. And now, episode 270, What is Recovery? I'm here to talk about recovery. Obviously, I talk about recovery all the time on this podcast as a recovery podcast, but I never really ask the question, what is recovery? And I think it's important to understand that. I mean, there is actually a working definition of recovery out there that the um, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration put together back in 2010 is when they started working on it. And then they published it in 2012. But not only do they give us a good definition of what recovery is, but they also give us four dimensions that support our recovery and 10 guiding principles of recovery. And, you know, there's a pamphlet out there called uh, SAMHSA's Working Definition of Recovery that I have borrowed from for this. And I think that um, it's a great resource. I'll put a link to it so you can access it and see what it's all about. But I find it fascinating. I find it really interesting. I think it's helpful to understand these things because I can see how uh, all these pieces kind of fit in with a recovery plan, a recovery program, especially if someone is new to recovery. It's nice to know exactly what it is so that you can avoid any pitfalls and understand any pitfalls that are inevitable to happen anyway. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about recovery. So let's go right to uh, SAMHSA's definition of recovery. They got this, by the way, um, starting in 2010. uh, They reached out to various stakeholders. That would be um, addiction treatment uh, centers. That would be therapists. That would be people in recovery. 
um, all sorts of stakeholders who are work who work in the mental health and substance abuse field. And they were trying to come up with one unified definition of recovery because prior to this, they just had all kinds of different definitions for different types of addictions, for different types of mental health issues, et cetera. And there just needed to be, for to simplify things, one unified definition of recovery. And this is what they came up with. Recovery is a process of change through which individuals improve their health and wellness, live a self-directed life, and strive to reach their full potential. I like that definition. I think it's positive. In fact, I think that kind of encompasses life itself. I mean, isn't life a journey through which we try to improve and become the best person that we can be? The word recovery, though, does seem to have a negative connotation. Um, I speak with listeners and other friends about recovery uh, quite a bit. And one person I spoke with, a woman who was fairly new into into recovery, um, didn't like the word, didn't like being stigmatized as being in recovery. And I understand that because it seems like you're in recovery for the rest of your life, that there's something wrong with you that you have to recover from. But in reality, all recovery is, uh, when you think about it, through SAMHSA's definition, is a process of change, a process of change through which we, we live a self-directed life and strive to become the, our fullest potential. So that's what recovery is. And when you think of it in that way, it's not so bad. And as we go along and look at the, at the four dimensions of recovery and the principles that underlie it, it makes more sense why recovery is something that perhaps should be embraced. It's not really a word to be afraid of, but you can use any other word you want to use to, to describe your experience. It's really not that important. But anyway, the four, the four dimensions of, that support recovery that SAMHSA came up with, I call these the four pillars that support recovery. And the four pillars would be health, home, purpose, and community. So health obviously entails our entire physical, mental, and emotional well-being and includes addressing the symptoms of our um, addiction. And that could mean maintaining abstinence. But remember, the definition of recovery doesn't include abstinence. For many of us, abstinence is critical to our recovery. But for some of us, it is not essential and not a critical part of our recovery. For example, there are people with alcohol use disorder who might treat that not through entire abstinence, but through taking naltrexone to manage the symptoms of the problematic drinking. Those people are in a process of change. They're continuing to get better and become the best that they can be, uh, you know, they're, they live their full potential, those people are in recovery. So there's a wide, you know, range of, of recovery. But health has everything to do with, you know, our physical and emotional and mental well-being. It's really important that we address those issues um, to support our, our recovery, that we eat well, that we sleep well, that we exercise, that we have doctor and dental appointments, um, that we remain abstinent. If, if remaining abstinent is part of our recovery program, these are the things that we need to focus on as a support to our recovery when it comes to health. Then we also have home. 
everybody deserves a safe place to live. Everybody needs a home. And it's just a basic human need. And it's something that, you know, some of us might take for granted, but there was a period of time in my life when I was in early recovery that I didn't take it for granted. You know, um, I, I lost my home as a result of my drinking back when, back many decades ago, I had no place to go. I was very fortunate that my sister and her family brought me into their home. But for the first couple of years of my sobriety, I really struggled with my, you know, with getting a good source of income. And, and, you know, after two years of sobriety, I lost my apartment. I had to move in with a friend, you know, so I was struggling, you know, for the first couple of years, I didn't, I couldn't take my, my shelter, my home, having home and food and all that for granted. And there are people I know that have it much, much worse than that. You know, if you're homeless, it's very difficult to be in recovery. Um, but there are resources out there. And that's what's so important is that if we don't have what we need to support us in our recovery, then we should at least have the information to access the resources that will provide us what we need so we can be in recovery. But home, having a home, a safe place to live is very important. Purpose. It's important to have a sense of purpose, to be engaged and happy and active with our recovery. You know, I talk to people sometimes that, you know, one thing that I noticed after I stopped drinking is there was a lot more time on my hands. Um, when I was drinking also, um, any activities or hobbies that I used to do um, that, that, that were pleasurable to me, those all fell by the wayside when I was drinking. So now in recovery, we have an opportunity to do these things that bring a little bit more sense of purpose into our lives. And it's really important for, for a number of reasons. One thing that is important for me, a couple of things are, but one thing that I like to do, I've always enjoyed, is having some sort of creative outlet. And for the last seven years now, this podcast has been that creative outlet for me. And how that helps me is... Obviously, I'm, I'm doing a podcast about recovery. I'm connecting with people in recovery. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm learning new skills. Um, I'm enjoying the process of learning. Um, it keeps me interested. Um, but it also helps me manage my time and to think about all the things in my life that I value and, and, and make sure that I pay the right, that I spend the right amount of time based upon where these things fall in my, in my value system. So as much as I love the podcast, I also need to spend time with family, you know, my wife, my friends, things like that, my job. So it's just a matter of having some, having, having some purpose, but the purpose is to not just fill time, but to make, make life a little bit more meaningful and to, you know, help, help us, um, manage other aspects of our lives as well. But a sense of purpose could also be, you know, going back to school or even a, a, a career, or it's just some driving um, reason for wanting to live and, and, and be sober and in recovery. So having a sense of purpose is really important. Community. I don't think that um, the importance of community can be overstated. I read a book. And I'm not going to remember, I always get the title wrong, but it's something like, if you work it, it works, is the title of the book. And um, I, I can't remember the doctor's name, 
right now. His first name is Joe. And I should have written this down before I did this video, but anyway, I'll put a link to it later. But in this book, he wrote that it's more important to add people to your life who support you in your recovery than to remove people who are um, detractors, who want to pull you down. Just add more people to your life that want to support it. And today, there's all kinds of ways you can do that. First of all, mutual aid groups like AA, Smart Recovery, Life Ring, Women for Sobriety, those are all great ways to find a sober recovery community. But you can also find social media groups, or you can start your own recovery community. I have a recovery community going just through this podcast, you know, connecting with people through this podcast. But having a sense of community is really important as a support for one's recovery. So that's the, those are the four dimensions or what I call the four pillars of recovery. Um, again, those are, those are home, purpose, health, and community. Got them out of order, but there you go. Now there are 10 guiding principles as well that SAMHSA came up with. Uh, and I'm going to go through these briefly, but I think that later on what I'm going to do is I'm going to have, I'm going to put together videos that cover each of these in more detail. I might even invite guests on for episodes that deal specifically with maybe one of these four dimensions, maybe one of these 10 principles until they're all covered. So, cause I think they're, they're that important, but let's take a look at the guiding principles. I'm going to go ahead and read them for you. There are 10 of them, but here they are. Um, hope, person-driven, many pathways, holistic, peer support, relational, culture, addresses trauma, strengths, responsibility, and respect. So let me go through these one by one. Uh, just kind of briefly to give you an idea of what these principles entail. The first is that recovery emerges from hope. SAMHSA considers, re- considers hope to be the catalyst of recovery, that without hope, it would seem there would be no reason to continue or to just try to get into recovery. And it's easy for one to think they don't have any hope, to feel In fact, hopeless. I felt that way when I was starting out. But there's always a little bit of hope. And your peers in recovery and other resources will help ignite that so that you have more hope over time. So in my case, I think my first little spark of hope came when I made the telephone call for the first time to let someone know that I needed help. And they gave me a resource that I could access to get help. And then when I actually went to that resource, which happened to be a mutual aid meeting called AA, when I actually went to that meeting and I met people there who have recovered, who had the same experience as me and were doing okay, it gave me even further hope. And having that hope was just essential because that's what motivated me to go on with my recovery. But it's not like I was just full of hope from the beginning. It's that I had a little bit of hope and over time it increased and got, and got stronger as I met more and more people in recovery and saw that 
other people overcoming obstacles that if they could do it, I could do it. So hope was extremely important. But if you're in a position right now where you think you don't have hope, you might have a little bit, just enough, just enough. And understand that there are others who can help you get even more hope. But hope is essential. You've got to have some hope um, to get into recovery. Recovery is person-driven. So your recovery is your own. You, just, you, you, you determine what your recovery is. It's unique to you. It's your opportunity to plan the life that you want to lead and to become the person that you want to be. This doesn't mean, obviously, that you do it alone. But it does mean that you get to choose the resources and the people that you access to help you with your recovery goals. But you're the one who sets the goals. It's your recovery. You're the one who drives it. Recovery occurs via many pathways is the, is the third of these um, guiding principles. Recovery occurs via many pathways. I sometimes say that recovery isn't an ideology. It, it's, not, it's not like there's one narrow path that we all have to follow just the same way and do it just right. That's not the way it works at all. Recovery is unique to each individual person, and, it, and the, the path that you take will depend upon your own unique needs, your strengths, your backgrounds, what goals you have the resources that you're able to access. A good pathway to recovery is the pathway that works for you. So fortunately, there is a lot of um, help out there to access so that you can figure out what path is right for you. Um, You know, one thing for sure is that most people will, not most, but many people will access, you know, mutual aid groups. And there, and there are different types, you know, and, and, and different, and, and within each group, you can go to different meetings of those groups and see different, different, um, get a different feel for, for what's going on there. So, you know, you can mix and match these things, you know, you, you just, you just find what's right for you, what works for you. And again, it doesn't mean that you're doing it alone. You can, you can work in conjunction with, you know, people who can help you, you know, with that, but ultimately, you know, you're the one that has to find the pathway that works for you. But there isn't just one path. That's what's so important to understand. There are many pathways. There are some people who um, have are, who, who use medication to assist them with their recovery and some people who don't need that. You know, um, there are some people who uh, it's important that they attend therapy. And uh, for other people, it's not. Um, some people need a mutual aid group. Some people don't. Some people need smart recovery. Some people don't like smart recovery. There are many different ways many different pathways, and we should respect that. Recovery is holistic, which means that it, it encompasses our entire life, really. We have to really take, pay attention to every aspect of our life. <clears throat> that means our, our mental, physical, emotional health we need to pay attention to. Uh, but we also need to you know, work on other things like you know, housing, transportation, um, other types of support. So much is involved in our recovery. So much is involved that supports our recovery. So it's a holistic thing. Um, eating right, exercise, all of that is an important part of recovery. 
So these are things to think about as you're starting out on this, on this adventure is that, you know, this is a very holistic thing. This is, this is encompasses every aspect of my life. There's a lot to think about. There's a lot to plan for. Recovery is holistic. Recovery is supported by peers and allies. This is really critical too. I mean, I, it's a, it's a great principle. Um, there are mutual aid groups, like I said, uh, Women for Sobriety, Life Ring, um, Smart Recovery, Alcoholics Anonymous. There, are, I know there are others out there. There are so many. You, I, I've done episodes. You can go look at some past episodes and find some of these um, groups that have sprung up, um, support groups, peer support groups. It's essential to have peers and allies that support you in your recovery. And it's done by shared experience more than anything else. A peer isn't a professional. A peer is just someone who has shared experience, who has um, experience with addiction, who can share their experience with you. And it's really helpful to have, to have that. Um, it shouldn't be the sole source of one's recovery, but it is an important principle of recovery, that recovery should be supported through um, peers and allies. Uh, the sixth principle is recovery is supported through relationship and social networks. So it's important to support your recovery by including people in your life who support and encourage you in your recovery goals. Uh, this will, um, you will also find that you will be um, eliminating unhealthy relationships and replacing them with healthy relationships. You yourself will be a more healthy partner in relationships that you have. Um, you will have a better sense of belonging and stability uh, through this process by having healthy relationships and social networks. So it's an important principle of recovery. Uh, seven is recovery is culturally based and influenced. So any service that supports recovery needs to be sensitive to a person's background, uh, belief system, etc. So you don't ever have to compromise your own belief system or comport to someone else's beliefs to be in recovery. Um, recovery is culturally based. So, you know, you, you come, you come into recovery from your own background, traditions, beliefs, and you can incorporate those in your recovery. You don't have to give those up and adopt someone else's. So recovery is supported through respecting cultural differences and the diversity that we have in society. Uh, recovery is supported by addressing trauma. So very important to remember to, to properly address trauma. You really need to be with, you really need to be treated by a professional who understands trauma and can treat it properly. We all have probably experienced trauma to one degree or another. And a lot of times from, from what I'm beginning to understand and, and understand I'm, I'm not a professional either. I'm just a peer, but oftentimes our addiction is a way to cope with trauma that we've experienced. And even though I might not be capable of helping you through trauma and I'm not, I can at least be trauma informed so that I can recognize that you do, you might need help and recommend resources where you can go get it, or at least point out to you that, Hey, I'm, I think that you're experiencing some trauma. I've triggered some trauma. 
Um, so it's just so important that we, that we be informed about trauma as people in recovery. But it's also important that any, any resource that we access for help also be trauma-informed and that any professional that helps us is capable of dealing with and helping us through our trauma. Super important. Recovery involves individual, family, and community strengths and responsibility. So, first of all, we as people in recovery have a personal responsibility for our own recovery. That goes without saying. Our families, if they want us to be in their family and want us to be healthy and care about us, they have a responsibility to to encourage us and support us in our recovery. The communities that we live in um, have a responsibility to have some sort of access for people that are in recovery and to at least not stigmatize it, to at least not discriminate against people who are in recovery. Uh, the worst thing that I think that society can do is stigmatize not just addiction, but to stigmatize recovery itself. You should be able to feel good about yourself for being a person in recovery. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Have, have some, you know, feel good about yourself. And other people should respect the fact that it takes a lot of courage to make the changes necessary to be in sustained recovery. It's not an easy thing to do. It does take a lot of guts to do this. So there should be some respect associated with recovery from anyone who provides services for people in recovery, but also for people in recovery themselves to have some respect for what they're doing. It's something to be proud of, actually. <laughs> it's something that you, that you should feel good about being in recovery. So I think that's it. Recovery is based on respect was the 10th of the 10 principles of recovery. So yeah, like I said, I think that I will be doing more videos about these topics in the future. I'm going to reach out to experts in the field of addiction who know about trauma and how to treat trauma and how to deal with trauma, who know, who have worked with people who are in recovery and have provided some of this support so we can talk about these things in more detail. But this is just kind of an overview of what recovery is, what the process is about, and what supports the process. And I just think it's important to have that information out there. So um, I hope that this was helpful in that respect. So what I'm going to do um, with this video, I will link to the pamphlet that SAMHSA put out about the um, working definition of recovery and the 10 principles of recovery so that you can read what they wrote. Uh, which has much of this information, if not most of the information I just gave you in this video. And uh, we'll have more conversations about this as time goes on. That's another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support our podcast with recurring monthly contributions, head on over to patreon.com slash beyondbeliefsobriety or become a member of our YouTube channel. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, then visit our website beyondbeliefsobriety.com and click on the donate button. I do appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety.